Your name is Queen Elizabeth II. You're on a boat right now in a French river. Of course, you're being given the royal treatment. You're the queen, after all. You're on the finest riverboat heading upstream on the Seine River. Of course, this trip is more than a vacation. You look out the window to the historic city of Paris. You think to yourself, it's finally built. Welcome to Imagine If, the alternate history podcast. I'm your host, Brody Burton. Welcome to Imagine If, the narrative alternate history podcast. On today's episode, we're going to explore what a more successful Napoleonic Wars from a French perspective would have looked like. That beginning said, I recognize that as of this moment, over 90% of our listeners live in the United States and therefore know little about the Napoleonic Wars, save perhaps that Napoleon was short and the Battle of Waterloo was important and some perhaps know not to invade Russia in the winter. Unfortunately, Napoleon was not as short as pop culture might imagine. Napoleon, for his time, was average height. Taller than James Madison, the President of the United States for part of the Napoleonic Wars by two inches. However, the part about not invading Russia in the winter is very true. It makes managing supply lines very hard. For those who don't know much about military history, usually when you're invading enemy territory, you don't have access to a Walmart. And food, ammunitions, and other basic materials for an army need to be transported. Napoleon felt by trying to capture Moscow, he could bring, he can force an end to the war. He battled in Moscow. When he battled in Moscow, not much happened. However, in 1812, when Napoleon invaded Russia, the, Napoleon got, the Napoleonic War has been going on for 13 years. That means kids born in the French Revolution could be serving under General Napoleon at this point. This means funding is difficult. So now, imagine if Russia surrendered before Napoleon invaded for a lack of funds. Your name is Tsar Alexander I, the monarch of Russia. You've been at war with France for years, and your treasury is nearly empty. As an ambassador from France is in the Kremlin with you, you speak. Ambassador, je vas hunet avac vous. Mon pays n'a plus de funds. Nuns nous rodons. In English, ambassador, I'm going to be honest with you. My country is out of funds. We surrender. The ambassador responds, Nous serons heroux d'accepter la reddition. In English, we'll be glad to accept your surrender. And with that exchange, Russia leaves the war. Britain and Portugal are all that remains of Europe. Napoleon's army in Toledo's in Spain, not Ohio, sails down to Toho. Sails down the Toho. To Toho. They capture Lisbon, and Portugal falls. Now the French army prepares to invade the British Isles. Then James Madison, the President of the United States, 
tells the French government of the news in the Americas. In her attempt to save Portugal, Britain had moved troops out of Canada. The U.S. had captured all of Canada in 1813 while the Portuguese operations were underway. Now the U.S. offered in 1813 while the Portuguese operations. Now the U.S. offered to send troops to Ireland. The invasion in 1814 was very successful. The British surrendered, and a peace congress was held in Paris. Napoleon annexed kingdoms of Spain, Portugal, Italy, Naples, Prussia, Denmark, the Duchy of Warsaw, the Confederation of the Rhine, and much of continental Europe. The United States gained all of British North America. The UK, Ottoman Empire, and Russia were allowed to live. The Franco-American Alliance came into being. After the Congress of Paris, Napoleon looked south to Africa. He began to colonize West Africa, starting with Ghana. Britain looked too to the south, but much further to the Congo. The colonial race went to, led to the French West and South Africa, and a British Central and East Africa. Back in the United States, the new territory had changed the American landscape. James Madison left office in 1817, and James Monroe had been elected. After a cold political era, the 1824 election proved to be controversial. Andrew Jackson, John Quincy Adams, Henry Clay, and William Crawford all ran for president. Andrew Jackson came one electoral vote away from winning after Crawford dropped out. The election was thrown to the House, which elected Henry Clay. Widespread anger followed. Jackson caused the South to leave the United States and form the Republic of Dixie. Adams caused the North to leave and form the Yankee Republic. What was left of the United States eventually became the Dominion of Louisiana, the Dominion of Quebec, and the Dominion of Canada. Henry Clay would never serve as president. Of course, Britain quickly capitalized on the position of her former colonies. The dominions of Quebec and Canada were annexed quickly, and then the British invaded the Yankee Republic. It started off with a four-pronged invasion. Buffalo, Burlington, Portland, and Detroit all were the targets. All four fell. The British Army moved down the Erie Canal, and soon Albany and New York City were in British hands. Armies flooded New England and Ohio until the Yankee Republic surrendered. A mass exodus to Dixie was welcomed by President Andrew Jackson. Finally, a global peace fell. Global peace does not necessarily mean global stability. The Dominion of Louisiana collapsed into bankruptcy and was absorbed by the French Empire in 1831. In 1833, the Emperor Napoleon I, Caesar of France, died of stroke. His son, Napoleon II, took power. His first and only crisis was in 1838, when the rebellion sprung up in Iberia, Italy, and Germany. He handled them very well, deploying the army to Madrid, Berlin, and Florence. However, there's more to stopping revolutions than placing troops. Although the revolutions of 1838 were put down, their ideals lived on in Dixie, the last standing country in the Americas. Many of the rebels of the 1838 revolutions moved to Dixie. A man walk, a man in a suit, 
walks in a rush down the halls of the executive mansion of the Republic of Dixie. This man is recognizable to all in the building as John Caldwell Calhoun, also known as the President of the Republic of Dixie. A recent immigration crisis has left New York News, Newport News, Charleston, and Mobile flooded. The increasingly urban economy of the South is because of the mass population boom, and Dixie is now home to 30 million people, most of these being immigrants and refugees from the British Yankee Dominion in Europe. The mighty French and British empires make Dixie look small, but President Calhoun has plans to expand his nation's power, starting with reform. As President Calhoun reaches the doors of his office, Nade rushes to meet him. Speaker Houston is here to see you. Calhoun, some, in somewhat of a sweat from his running, responds, send him in. As Calhoun sits down in his office and clears his mahogany desk, the Speaker of the House of the Dixie Congress, Samuel Houston, comes in. The Compensation Emancipation Bill has passed the House, President Calhoun, Houston says. That's good. Do you have the bill? Yes, Mr. President. Right here. Calhoun signs the bill, then asks about some of the other laws in Congress. Mr. Speaker, please sit down. We have much to discuss. What is it you would like to discuss, Mr. President? The Innovations Act and the Armed Forces Act. How, how are they situated right now? The Innovations Act would create the Federal Board of Scientific Progress, a series of nationwide experimental laboratories. No country in the history of the world has attempted to do anything like it. The Armed Forces Act would give the President complete control over the size and shape of the armed forces, at this time just the Army and the Navy. The Innovations Act seems poised to pass by a slim margin. Many Westerners are opposed to it, but the Yankees and Europeans are in favor of it. The Armed Forces Act is in a similar situation. Calhoun looks visibly relieved. Oh good, that's wonderful. And what about the immigration influx? Congress passed a bill to build a new city south of Charleston. It's going to be called Calhoun City in your honor. We plan on directing many of the immigrants as well as several well-respected businessmen there. This interaction in 1840 was one of many significant for its abolition of slavery in Dixie. John C. Calhoun was one of three presidents in Dixie after Andrew Jackson to make significant progress in countering the French and British. However, a Cold War still existed between the two, even with the budding American power. In 1856, a war between Britain and France broke out. The two powers disputed the border between Louisiana Territory and British Ca Canadian and the Yankee Territories. Britain claimed the border to be the Mississippi River, and France claimed the border to be Lake Superior. The British had built a fort, Fort Superior, along the coast of the disputed area. France sent in soldiers to take the fort, fort and successfully did so. This sparked a global war. Lord Raglan was appointed by Queen Victoria to lead the British armed forces, whilst Armand Jacques Leroy led French forces. Lord Raglan led British forces to a victory at St. Louis, where they successfully captured the city and forced the French onto the defensive. However, Leroy got a victory in the defense of New Orleans, 
and successfully recaptured them to St. Louis. Then the French launched attacks on other British colonies internationally, quickly capturing Brit British Honduras, Jamaica, Africa, and Australia. The British woke from their dream of global dominant dominance when the French launched an attack on Ireland. The British Empire had controlled the Emerald Isle since the 12th century. The British surrendered to the French Empire on March 7, 1864, and they lost all of their possessions to the French Empire outside of the British Archipelago. Very little remained outside the French Empire. Only Russia, Britain, and Dixie remained standing. They created an alliance to protect each other from the mighty French power. Then a breakthrough came when a French scientist in, the field, in a new field of research, Marie Curie, discovered radioactivity, which opened up a whole new scientific field. The four nations of the world began massive research. Then Oxford, working with the University of Calhoun and Cambridge, created a nuclear bomb in 1915. France decided to conquer what remained of the world by invading Russia in April 1921, and quickly, the British dropped a nuclear weapon on Paris. The world was thrown into chaos after the death of then-Emperor Napoleon IV. All of Europe began to fracture into independent states, and the British invaded France, and Dixie captured the French North America, all the way to until the Rio Grande River. The Calhoun City Conference, held in 1923, led to the world being divided up into hundreds of states, with the foremost superpowers being the Brand of Brothers, Russia, Britain, and the restored United States of America.